Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to CEO Show. We're here today with Hope Atwell. How are you, Hope? I'm doing well, Robert. Thank you for asking. I hope you are well too. Absolutely, and glad to be with you because Hope is the CEO of the Asian Real Estate Association of America. So, talk through what that is. I know you've eighteen thousand members. So the Asian Real Estate Association of America. I know it's a mouthful, so I'll say it short.、There's, the acronym for it is ARIA, just like the Opera Movement, or just like the hotel in Las Vegas. ARIA is a membership organization, and what we are is that we are all about moving the needle of home ownership for the Asian American and Pacific Islander community.、Um, so right now there exists a gap between、um, the average American and the Asian American community as it relates to home ownership. What we're trying to do is close that gap. And so we take a look at barriers and challenges to home ownership that exist within the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, and we work through those challenges and barriers. So we've got eighteen thousand of our members working towards that goal. And and what are some of those barriers? Um, I think one big barrier、um, is language access. Uh, there are fifty. I want to say at least fifty ethnicities that falls under the Asian category, and so with that, there are different languages, and with different languages, there are different dialects within the fifty subgroups that are classified under the Asian race. There exist so many, not just languages, but dialects. I'm Filipino American, and so under the Filipino American. Uh, subgroup. There's about 300 dialects, so it's confusing. the 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 language itself is is very confusing, and unlike the Latinx community,、um, that Spanish somehow is a unifying sort of like language for for the most part. Even if there are variations, that doesn't exist within the Asian American and Pacific Islander community.、Um, I think English might be the one that is. Perhaps unifying for us. So one big, big barrier for homeownership is language access because it's complex enough for a native、um, English speaker to go through mortgage and loan documents and disclosures. Think about somebody who considers themselves as uh, lang- uh, uh, English. Uh, Not proficient in English, right? And so it's very daunting. It's very overwhelming. And for an average American, purchase of the home is the biggest purchase that we will ever do in our lives. And so to understand this process is relatively important. So I would say language is is a huge, huge barrier. But how do you legislate language, right? How do you legislate? Language and the homeownership process, which we have been navigating through, and it's it's been a complex process. It's interesting, and let's talk about marketing. So there's 50 different subgroups. How do you teach? These are real estate agent, mortgage brokers, title, the the whole continuum. How do you teach them how to market towards towards Asian Americans? When and when you really have between the Pacific Islanders, there's over fifty subgroups. 
Yeah. So the key there truly is education, right? When you are an informed、uh, business professional in real estate, then you can actually. Develop a very effective marketing strategy because of the complexities of the subgroups. One has to kind of like understand that you can't stereotype Asian Americans in one bucket and Pacific Islanders too, right? Pacific Islanders、um, is a very different demographic, very different educational and even income levels and all of that stuff. So to understand, let's say, how do you work with a Korean American? Um, how do you work with an uh, uh, an Indian American, right? Or、um, not a native Indian, but、uh, somebody from India?、Um, and how do you work with decision makers when it comes to Filipino Americans or Chinese Americans? So complexities and even kind of like.、Um, Preferences in home.、Um, there's a report that we do every year. It's called the State of Asia America Report, and it's an aggregate of a lot of data that has to do with Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders as it relates to home preferences and home buying. And if you take a look at each of the subgroup, it's very different. So for、um, for Filipino Americans. Um, the tendency is for multi generational homes, larger homes, so that they could accommodate or we could accommodate for、uh, extended family, whether it's the the grandparents, the parents, or a sibling.、Um, there are Japanese families who may prefer smaller homes, but homes that are within proximity to each other because they're taking care of, let's say, a grandmother. Or a parent, and all of that stuff. So even、um, when it relates to home buying preferences, that's relatively important, right? That's that's important in informing a relationship with them, and hopefully a long term relationship, so that they could be a referral for future、uh, businesses to come. And talk about the the mainland China market because. That is really the most dominant emerging market in the entire world. Yes, yes. So,、um, unfortunately, because of COVID,、um, I think the National Association of Realtors just put out their report on foreign buyers.、Um, there has been some sort of like a downturn in foreign buyers, which includes mainland China, because of the fact that. People can't travel. When you're buying a home, you want to see the home, right? You want to not just see the home, but you want to be able to use the home. And so, in the last decade or so, I want to say maybe in the last 15 years or so, there has been an influx of. Uh, buyers from mainland China for investment purposes.、Um, we see places like New York,、uh, places like Florida,、uh, or even California that have. Experience an increase in foreign buyers from China, and one of the reasons for、uh, for the, these investment real estate、um, purchases is because of proximity to universities. So it's 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 a、um, I want to say it's a trophy for their children to send their children to universities and colleges here in the United States. So instead of sending them to dormitories or having them、um, in apartments, what what typically what Chinese families would do is 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 buy invest in a real estate property for their children 
to live in and possibly, um, you know, make some money afterwards. And so that has been a, a phenomenon in the last, I want to say, 10 to 15 years. I think we've all read that and heard that in the news, you know, Chinese buyers uh, buying in cash and what have you. Unfortunately, again, that has we've we've been experienced a decline in the last couple of years, uh, primarily because of COVID. Why is home ownership so important? Home ownership is important for me and for our members because it is the fastest way to build generational wealth. Right. If if you um, I think it was Forbes or um, the federal or the Treasury Department that have put together a report on um, the value of net worth of a renter versus a homeowner. And it's tremendous. And we're talking about not just $10,000, we're talking at least like two, three hundred thousand dollars. And you can pass this on to your your children or your children's children. And so this is how you can build, I can build, you and I, our, our neighbors, our family members can build generational wealth um, is, is through home ownership. And that's why it's important for us. What is the website for anyone who wants to go? Sure. The website is aria, A-R-E-A-A dot O-R-G. We're about to take a commercial break, and when we come back with Hope, we're going to speak about what it's like to run a non-for-profit versus a for-profit, and then we're also going to find out what's going on with this real estate market today. We saw a giant um, escalations, then a little leveling off, so we'll hear from Hope on that. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese back on The CEO Show, and we're with Hope Atwell, who is the CEO of the Asian Real Estate Association of America, about 18,000 members and 50 different subcategories of, of different, different backgrounds and nationalities from Pacific Islanders. So here is the first question I want to ask. Real estate market, we saw an enormous upswing. And this is, we're talking, uh, we're talking residential, even though you also work with a lot of commercial, but enormous upswing in residential, maybe a slight leveling off, but we're not even sure. Talk about what happened. Talk about what do you think the real estate market will look like going forward? Sure. I don't think that anybody predicted after the shot, the, the, the lockdown, right? In March of 2020, um, nobody had predicted that the real estate market would actually experience this, this crazy uptick. Um, and, you know, why would you, because we were, we were locked down in March. Well, at least here in California, it, it happened in March. Uh, Governor Newsom said, you can only go out if um, you are doing essential activity. And even uh, real estate agents and brokers could not host open houses. And they had to do, they had to transition into virtual open houses and all of that stuff until uh, the, the laws changed that, um, the home buying process was actually deemed as essential. 
Uh, but I think what had happened is because of the low interest rate, even pre-COVID, pre-COVID interest rates were already hovering at about like, what, 2.9, um, 2020 uh, lockdown, um, interest rates continue to uh, to go down and decrease. And people's savings, because we couldn't go out, I think just increased. And the opportunity to purchase was was there. Um, it was so much cheaper to, well, cheaper as, as, as it, it relates to your monthly payment, to purchase a home than to rent. And so in the last couple of years, what we've seen is an increase in the home buying activity, particularly for first-time home buyers, and um, you know that that um, I, unfortunately that was exacerbated with the low inventory, and so people would would have you've, we've all heard this right bidding wars. Um, there would be fifty people bidding on one property, and that's crazy. Um, so it's it's leveled off. We've we've all heard that it's cooling down. The real estate market is cooling down, but home prices are not going down. There's a difference between home sales going down and home values going down. Home values continue to appreciate. I attended a. Um, National Association of Realtors a leadership summit last week, and the uh, chief economist, Lawrence Yoon, had predicted that by the end of the year, appreciation for homes will probably be at about 11%. That's still way, way above normal appreciation of home values. Normal appreciation of home values is anywhere between 4 to 5%. So to continue to have double-digit home, home value increase is still quite phenomenal. So that's what's been happening. And in fact, even with with a little bit of a higher interest rate at like what 5.5 5.6 there's still a pretty good demand of um of of homes and inventory it's it's still we're still in this inventory crisis um so unless you know builders continue to build homes but what i've heard is that builders are building to rent as opposed to builders are building to sell homes because that's where they create um they get more margins right rental properties um we're still going to be in this situation where there is much more demand than um than inventory Okay, before we talk about running a non-for-profit, let's talk about something really important, which is women in business and what what advice you have, what you are seeing right now. Yes. So if you take a look at the proportion of women in real estate, there's, I want to say about a 60-40 split, more women in, um, in, in real estate than men because of the flexibility um, the ability to kind of like just create your own hours um, and all of that stuff. Um, the advice that I have for women in, in, in real estate is that continue your leadership role. Unfortunately, there are a lot of women in real estate, but if you take a look at leadership positions in real estate companies and organizations, it's still mostly men. So um, what 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 I would encourage women in real estate is just don't be content to, you know, sell and buy real estate. 
uh, explore opportunities to become a leader within your or own organization, um, whether it's organized real estate or whether you're part of a brand, because we need more women role models, particularly in real estate. Let's move over to the non-for-profit. Let's move over. Please erase that there. Let's move over to the nonprofit arena. What insights can you share on running a non-for-profit that you think for-profit CEOs can gain insights from? And then you'll switch it and let us know what you think non-for-profit CEOs can learn from profit companies. Yes. So uh, let me just qualify non-for-profit membership organizations, right? Um, and that's really not me defining it. It really is the IRS defining it as, you know, kind of like the tax code. Um, so we are a nonprofit uh, classified as a trade slash membership organization. And the difference uh, between nonprofit membership organizations and for-profit organizations is that we are member-driven, meaning um, we take care of our members, right? As opposed to a for-profit organization that has certain um, sales goals, right? You have to manufacture or you have to come up with X amount of dollars or widgets or what have you. Um, while membership growth is important, the relationship that we establish with our members is paramount. So it's taking care of our members. And I always say that um, while I might have the title of CEO, I really have 18,000 bosses because I have to service all 18,000 members. And everyone, think about this. When you're selling to people, there are so many different subgroups of everything. So keep your eyes open to learn and to learn about the individuals and their spirit of what they want as well. A true pleasure having you on the CEO Show. Thank you, Robert. 